I'm a Christian. Everything is great right now. I'm really involved in my church. I love reading my Bible. I pray all the time, and I share my faith regularly. It really is an honor to be a Christian leader. I praise God for the way He is using me to make a difference in the world. I've been faking it. I made a pretty big mistake, and I feel like I really let God down. I haven't opened my Bible in months, and my prayer life is virtually non-existent. It seems like God doesn't answer my prayers anyway. I try not to think about it, but when I'm honest, I have to admit that I'm really far from God right now. Well, it's September, and that means that in just a few short weeks, uh, kids and some who think they're kids will dress up in funny costumes and will uh, go door-to-door in neighborhoods begging for candy. Which I've said to you before, I'm okay with kids doing that, but if you're like over the age of like, uh, let's say 12, all these guys are going, no, no, don't espouse that. All right, we'll go 14, 15, 15, 15, we're good with 15. You get much older than that, and I say, go to Walmart, buy your own candy. That's what I say. All right? Yeah, I got at least a couple people with me, because I'm not buying your candy, all right? I did a little bit of research this week, though. This is what uh, I get paid uh, to do, uh, research. And I wanted to find out what are the most popular costumes over the past couple years at Halloween. The first is presidential masks. Uh, Whether you're wearing our current president, Obama, or whether you're wearing Bill Clinton, I, I remember that was a funny mask. And in fact, at one point, you know, the nose on the mask was, was fairly long. I remember when some people wore that back in the 90s. Bush, Reagan, presidential masks are very popular. Here, here's one that you probably have not seen come to your door. And in fact, when I say this, some of you, even if you don't dress up, you're going to want to do this. It's a slice of bacon. Now, What could be better than to say, I'm going to be a slice of bacon? And literally, it is about this wide, and it goes from the top of your head all the way to the bottom of your feet, and right through the middle of the slice of bacon, you stick your head out, and and you're a slice of bacon. Also, the skin suits, you know, where you wear a a blue suit or a green suit, you know, those suits that stretch across your body and are skin tight. Here's one that I found to be interesting, an inflatable ballerina. Not a ballerina, but an inflatable ballerina, which means that, you know, ballerinas are typically small, they're, they're tall, thin. This ballerina is rather large, is in, inflated. And then here's one, Honey Boo Boo. Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> now, be honest with me, how many of you have watched at least one episode of Honey Boo Boo? You guys do not understand what the whole series is about. It's about masks. It's about being real, all right? How many of you, I'm going to ask one more time, how many of you have watched at least one episode of Honey Boo Boo? All right, more hands. That's good. Well, it's not good, actually. (laughs) But uh, a popular Halloween costume to dress up as Honey Boo Boo or her mother, June. How about this? How many of you, I don't really want to ask this because I do not want this mental picture in my mind of how many of you have done the, uh, the Gangnam dance. Okay, I don't even... Don't raise your hand if you've done that, all right? Some of you would be very troubling to think that you've done that. But one of the most popular Halloween costumes is the guy that started all that, Psy. It'd be a great thing for you to be if you're looking for something. And then lastly, and I think probably something that I might just try to do this year, and that is to dress up as one of the men from Duck Dynasty. Yeah, that's all right. Gotta love those guys, all right? If you're gonna be anything, be that Psy, all right? Uh, 
or Willie or one of those guys. Uh, and you know, as I've thought about it, we, we grew up in my house and we didn't celebrate Halloween, but we went trick-or-treating. And I know some of you have different opinions on that. Uh, my mom, I, I, I think back, I remember one year she dressed me up. Literally, she made a clown suit for me, all right? You wonder why I'm scarred kids today. That's the reason. I mean, imagine your mom and dad. I mean, I had the big nose, the mop head, everything. You know, it's really cute, though, when you think about little kids being dressed up in, in costumes and running around in their masks on Halloween. But here's what's ironic. There are many of us who wear masks most every day of our lives, if the truth were known. The truth is many of us live a good portion of our lives living behind a mask, wearing a mask, and we hide behind that false facade. And today we're going to begin a four-week series that we're calling Masquerade. And you may have watched that intro video or you may have looked at some of our other promotional materials for the series and you assume that this is for somebody else and not for you. Some of you know that you're wearing a mask. Others of you think you know that other people are wearing a mask and uh, aren't willing to admit that you've got quite the assortment of your own. And whether you're here this morning and you are simply here seeking to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, or whether you've known him for a long time, let me tell you that I assume that most of us that are in this room this morning, if not all of us, are wearing some kind of a mask. And so this series really, if we're really honest, is for all of us in one way or another. And if you think you're the exception, welcome here, because you are right now probably most likely wearing the mask that I'll call self-deception. And over the next several weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the masks that we wear because of the shameful things that we've done. We wear masks to cover up, to hide the hurts that we've experienced. We wear masks to cover up the insecurities that, that we possess. Even for some of us this morning, if we were really honest, we're wearing a mask to cover up the debts that we've incurred and the bills that we know we have not paid. And then there's a number of you undoubtedly in an audience this size this morning and and, and you simply have a mask on that's called the mask of doubt. And you have doubts really about your faith. See, mask wearing, I believe, is most often pronounced in Christians. All mask wearing ultimately is the product of pretending that we're something that we're not, that our experience denies. And sometimes we pretend, I think, as Christians because we want to make God look good. Have you ever been in that situation where you pretended something just because you knew people were looking out and they were watching you? And so you put on a certain mask and you pretended a certain thing because you wanted people you felt to have a certain image of God. And so you wore that particular mask and you cover up your dirty laundry. You make pithy little Christianese statements because we think that our objective should be to model for the world that if you come to faith in Jesus as your personal Savior, that life is just fantastic, it is great. We're really good at that. And rather than accomplishing that objective, I would submit to you, those of you this morning that are here and you're Christ followers, that most often instead we usually come across as fake, plastic, unapproachable, arrogant people whose stories actually can't be trusted at all. And I believe firmly that that is what an unbelieving world, a world that is skeptical of why we gather here this morning, that that is one of the major reasons why they find this message that we call the good news, that we call the gospel, they find it unbelievable. 
because of the masks that we wear. And I'll tell you this, pastors are some of the best at wearing masks. Some of us actually were taught in our training flawed theology that instructed us to make sure that we always wore the right mask. To make sure that we never let people see the real us. And if, if you do, we were warned, if you, if you do let people see that, that, that you've got problems just like they have, then, then here's the problem. They'll, they'll never trust you. They'll, they'll never respect you. They'll never believe a word that you say. In fact, I have been instructed in my past with pastors that I've worked with that I should never let people get too close to me, the people that I shepherd, because they might actually see the real me and that might somehow affect the authenticity of what I preach. I think there were a few years early in my ministry when I might have bought into those lies and to that flawed logic. But let me tell you this, I don't believe that anymore. I want to tell you this morning as one of your pastors that I do not intend to live my life that way. I don't intend to live my life with a mask covering my face, hoping that you will think something that I'm not. I will tell you right at the forefront of this series that if you hang out with me just long enough, you'll find my flaws. Can I get an amen? You'll come to understand and hopefully you'll appreciate that I put my pants on the same way you do, that I struggle with life and relationships and with temptation just like you do. And if you're looking for a place where your leaders don't struggle with that, I will do you a favor and tell you to not search here. Go someplace else because you'll never be satisfied here in this place. We are a flawed, messed up group of people amongst whom I am the chief. This is a good time, by the way, also to let you know something about Northwestern and what we value. We want this to be a place where it is safe for you to drop your mask. I want you to know that if you're here this morning and you have issues, you are welcome here. I really believe at the end of the day, there are two kinds of people that are here this morning. There are people who know that they have issues, and there are people who are in denial. Which one are you? There's one of those two kinds of people that are here today. I want to give you some of the most common masks that we wear as, uh, as human beings, that we wear in our culture. The first is a mask that, that if we're really honest, and, and we're dropping the mask this morning, if we're really honest... The one that is most likely to be worn right now, even as I speak and as I start this series, is the mask called religion. <clears throat> there are many of you that have walked through these doors today and you slipped it on just as soon as you got out of the car. If truth were known, the way that you talked to your wife or you interacted with your family on your way here would not be socially acceptable here amongst the people of God. And so when you got out of the car, you suddenly brought your voice down, your tone changed, and the first person that saw you, you said, everything's just fine. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister. Even though everybody that rode here with you knew that you had another mask on or that your mask wasn't on when you were in the car with them coming from your home. That's the religious mask. We put it on, many of us, every single Sunday morning. Then there's the just fine thank you and you mask. You familiar with that one? That is one that is common not only in a church setting. You'll see it at school tomorrow. You'll see it in the workplace tomorrow. You'll see it in your neighborhoods when you say to a neighbor, hey, how are you? And they go, I'm just fine. And how are you? I'm fine too. Oh, <laughs> wow. Can you believe it? I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. You ever wear that mask? You ever wear that 
You ever give people the false impression that everything is just fine when if truth were told, everything is not fine? We learn to wear that mask at a very early age. And then there is, we'll talk about this a little more deeply next week, there is the who me mask, or I put it in, a, in parentheses, I'm a good boy, good girl mask. You might have walked in here with it this morning. You want to make sure that everybody knows that you're okay. You're really a good girl. You're really a good boy. You've made really great choices this week and last week. And every week since you can remember, everything is just great in your life. There's nothing in your life that if known, if uncovered, would be displeasing to God or anybody else. Who, me? I'm a good boy. I'm a good girl. Mask. And then there's the look what I have mask. Now that's the mask that we wear really well here in Cary, North Carolina, don't we? And we put on the mask that everything is together and boy, the Lord is blessing my life. I have a nice house. I have nice cars. My, my kids wear nice clothes. We go on great vacations. Everything is just great and fantastic in my life. And yet the mask is that we're hiding that we're just one paycheck away really from losing everything, that our life really is a financial train wreck. We're just a disaster waiting to happen. And yet we put the mask on because God forbid that somebody in our neighborhood would know that really we don't have the ability to have everything that it looks like we have. God forbid that our kids wouldn't have the latest fashions. God forbid that we wouldn't drive the right car, that we wouldn't go on the right vacations. And so we put on the facade and we live with the shame and with the guilt of knowing that I really don't have what I look like I have. And then, and we'll talk about this in a few moments from now, there's the sure I believe mask. Maybe you came in with it this morning and you've sung songs and yet as you've sung words, you've wondered, do I really believe the truth of those words? Do I really accept that as fact or is there doubt in my life? Hiding began with the origination of sin and as human beings, we've never looked back. We have continued that cycle since the beginning. If you have your Bibles, and I, I really hope that you do, if you don't have it with you this morning, get into a habit of bringing your Bible because you're going to want to look at God's guidebook, at God's owner's manual, because that's where we go to for ultimate truth. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, right there at the beginning, first book of the Bible. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. And look down at verse 18, and, and for some of you, you're very familiar with that text. For some of you, maybe you're not. And so let me bring you up to speed on what's going on. God's created everything, and while he's created everything, and he's said that it's really good, everything that he's created, he's obviously noticed that he, he wants to do one more thing. He realizes that Adam needs a helper. He needs a companion. And so verse 20 says, The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. And so God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He took his rib, and out of that rib, he created a woman. And the man said, verse 23, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, in the Hebrew, that word is pronounced, Whoa, man! That's what's pronounced there. You see, that's the benefit of studying the original languages, because if you do that, you get the proper emphasis, okay? If you can just read English, you don't necessarily get that, but it is, whoa, man, and aren't we glad, men, that God created a woman? Can you imagine if this world was just simply comprised of men? Let's scratch that from our memories. Let's not even think about that. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Verse 24, for this woman, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now look at verse 25. We don't read this a lot in church unless we're in a series in the book of Genesis, but let me read it to you. And the man and his wife were both what? Okay, three of you said it. You can say naked in church. You naked, 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 however you say it. The man and the woman, they were both what? They were naked. Now don't lose the last phrase there. And they were not ashamed. It's gonna be very important. You see, this is the way it was before sin came on the scene in chapter three. They were naked and they weren't ashamed. They were nothing like we are today. Maybe some of you are like me. One of the things that I most despise and I know we've got doctors in our church, and I love you, but I most despise going and seeing a doctor. Every year, I discipline myself to go and have my annual physical and, and get all my stuff checked out and you know, get all the, the blood work done and get all that stuff done. But I, I, I got to confess to you, if I'm, if I'm uh, dropping the mask this morning, all right, I don't like going to the doctor. And here's, here's why. It starts out bad for me because they, they, they want to, first of all, they want, to, they want to weigh you. And I'm convinced that when I get on the scale and I look down at the scale and I'm going, that's not right, all right? You need to get somebody in here to calibrate that. That cannot be right. Because when I weighed, it said this, yours is wrong. I've actually had debates with the nurse that's helping me there. And she goes, I don't think so. On a regular basis, we get it checked, get it checked again. But then that's not the worst part because I'm totally cool with that. At age 47, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I, I get that. But then she takes me back to this little room. She opens the door and she says, take off your clothes. The doctor will be with you shortly. Now, I'm not exactly sure what she means by take off your clothes. Does she mean like everything? As there's some of them, that they, that's what they mean. They mean like take it all off. And so you're looking around thinking, well, surely you got a gown. Oh, no, there is no little gown. There's nothing that's there. And I hate the thought of it. And then she closes this little curtain, and I place the emphasis on the adjective little curtain, and she says the doctor will be in with you shortly. And I find myself at that particular moment going, what am I going to do? Am I going to obey her? Am I really going to take off all my clothes? Does he really need me to take off everything, or can I leave just a little bit of my dignity intact? And so I wrestle with this each year. Fortunately, I found a doctor, Dr. Blunt. I love him. I like going to him. He only tells me good stuff. One day I'll just die. But for right now, he tells me what I want to hear and I like him and I trust him. And so I, I know we kind of have this little thing going on. So I'm going, no, he really doesn't mean that I have to take everything off. He really doesn't mean that I have to be totally without clothes. And so I leave just enough on that when he comes in, I figure if he needs to see something else, he'll take it off or he'll make me, well, he won't take it off. He'll make me take it off and we'll go from there. But I just don't like that. I don't like being naked. I've wondered if I would have gone and gotten a physical before these events of Genesis chapter three, would I have had a big problem with it? I wouldn't have. I'd have just walked in and the doctor would have come on. He'd have been buck naked too. And we just, you know, he would have checked everything out, made sure everything worked like it should, taken my, and we'd been good. So I'm thinking I would much rather have gone and gotten a physical before the fall. Okay, let's close in prayer. That's right. <laughs> You get the point, before sin, before sin, they were naked and they were unashamed. The text says they were naked and they were not ashamed. That's so important and don't forget that because before sin there was no shame. In fact, the Hebrew word that is translated shame there has the idea of there being no shame, no disappointment, no confusion. 
everything was just exactly as it should be. Let's look quickly at what happens. We'll look a little more closely at this process next week, but look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, God has said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. God really doesn't mean what he says. He's a liar. Verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And then when the woman saw the tree was good for food, she ate it, she gave it to her husband, and he ate. Look at verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And this, my friends, is the first masquerade. These are the opening steps to the dance of mask wearing. And they became afraid because what they had done, they had disobeyed. And it made them feel ashamed and so they covered themselves. They, they sewed fig leaves together. They made a mask so they couldn't be seen. And for the first time, they felt shame. And their reaction instinctively was to do what? To cover it up. Look at verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, that should have been a really great thing. Up until this point in the garden, it had been. But the text says, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, we look at that and we think, boy, were our ancestors stupid. I mean, how could they have ever thought that they were going to hide from God? They knew who God was. How did they ever think they were going to hide from God? And so here they are playing hide-and-go-seek with God in the Garden of Eden. Now, before you're so hard on Adam and Eve, think about this. Don't you and I do that same thing all the time? We have little secrets that we think we hide from God. Verse 9, then the Lord God called the man and said to him, where are you? I think that's funny. (laughs) God knew where he was, right? And let me stop here for just a moment to let you know that God knows exactly where you are too. And he knows where I am. I, I don't really care about the mask that you have on today. Whether or not we get to the end of the series and you commit to God that you're going to drop some of the mask out of your wardrobe, whether you commit to do that or not, it does not change the fact that God knows where you are. God doesn't have to ask where you are. Look at verse 10. Adam said, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid myself. You see, it really comes down to this. He's saying, if if, if you knew the real me and how secure I am and how sinful I am and if you knew what I've done as if God didn't know what he had done, you probably wouldn't love me anymore because I just listened to Satan and he told me these lies and so I'm beginning to believe that these things are true, that because of what I've done, I'm I'm no longer worthy to have any kind of a relationship with you and so I'm now a bad person and because I'm a bad person, the the only safe thing to do is to somehow hide myself, to somehow put myself behind a mask and and make it appear as if everything is okay. I think one of the things that Jesus despised most when he was here on this planet He despised hypocrisy. He despised it. He was harder on those that gave an appearance of righteousness and yet were fakes than he was on the adulterer or the tax collector or countless others who admitted that they were sinners. But he despised 
the acting of the hypocrites. He specifically called them hypocrites, in fact. In fact, the Greek word, which is translated in our English New Testament, hypocrites, gives us the idea of an actor. In fact, that's what the word means. It's an actor. It's the, it's the Greek word that was used to describe an actor that was playing a role in a Greek play. Someone that was wearing a mask to misrepresent reality. Let me quickly give you these steps of how the masquerade begins. We'll refer to these several times over the next few weeks, but let me give them to you quickly. Here's how the masquerade begins. Here's how the mask wearing starts. Number one, you experience something deeply painful or sinful. Some of you, you're in that place right now. It's not necessarily sin. It's something that's painful. Maybe it happened in your childhood. Something bad that happened to you. Something bad that took place. It wasn't your fault, but it happened to you. For others of us, it's sinful behavior. Something that we've done, something that we're ashamed of, something that we think nobody else knows. But you experience something deeply painful or sinful. Number two, you connect what happened with who you are. You connect what happened with who you are. You begin to believe, number three, that what you've done or the pain that you've experienced, now that defines you. And so if you've done something that, that you have been taught, that you've heard, or that culturally you think is not acceptable, is, is not appropriate, something that is sinful, something that is shameful, if you've done that, you begin to buy the lie that that now defines who you are. It is as if you're walking around with a scarlet letter on you. That's who you'll always be. You can be nothing else. And so you try to cover up that letter with a mask. Number four, you then begin to believe the lies that Satan whispers to you about yourself and about God. You believe the lie that he promises blessings through disobedience. Satan says, oh, God didn't really mean that. Here's what he meant. He's really withholding good things from you. We've got a generation that thinks that God is withholding good from them with regards to their sexuality. And so they have determined, they have bought into the lies of Satan that, that God wants to keep me from something that's good. And so I will go and enjoy that only for many, if not most, if not all of them, to find out the tragic consequences of buying into the idea that our Creator does not know best. He tells us lies about who God is. He tells us lies about what God says in his word. That's one of the surest ways you can know that you've got a mask on when you refuse to accept the simple, relevant, applicable truths of Scripture, or you skew them to say what you want them to say, or you simply ignore what's said because you don't like what's being said. And then he tells us lies about who we are that we can no longer be loved. We're no longer worthy to be loved. We're so bad. For many, they have walked out of churches because they've walked in churches and people have made them feel less than human, less than welcome because of a sin that they have committed or shame that's come on them. And we begin to believe that we're no longer good. We're no longer worthy to be loved until number five, you believe the only way to be safe and to deal with your situation is simply to hide. It's to put on a mask. In the book True Face, the author says this, That day all humanity learned how to look over our shoulders, how to say one thing and mean another, how to hide their fear, their deceit, and shame behind a thin smile. That day we learned how to give the appearance we are someone other than we actually are, and we've developed it into an art form. And he says, thanks, Adam and Eve, nice legacy. 
But gradually we lose all hope that we can be changed or fixed. So we cover up. We put on a mask and we begin bluffing. And I would say to you at the beginning of this four-week series that for many of us, that's exactly where we are. We've bought into the idea that it's okay to bluff our way through. It's okay to put on a mask. We don't really need to be real. And somehow it'll all just work out. And if it doesn't, someday we'll just die and it'll all be over with. But that's our lot in life. And so by golly, we're just going to wear the mask. I want to ask you, what kind of a mask are you wearing today? What kind of mask are you wearing that's covering the reality of your life that is you? Are you wearing that religious mask? It's safe to assume that there are many who came here today with that mask on. You have a mask on and you're trying to hide the very truth that if the truth were known, you are not a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. You simply put on the mask every Sunday morning or any other time that may be convenient for you or that is necessary, and you assume that because you wear the mask, people assume you're the real deal, and yet God knows your heart and he knows it's nothing more than a mask. If I asked you the last time you really had intimacy with God in prayer, other than a prayer over a meal. For many, you would say, I don't, and yet you wear the religious mask. If I asked you, hey, when's the last time you meaningfully picked up your Bible and you read something, not just to read it and say, hey, I read the Bible today, but you read it for comprehension because you wanted your life to be transformed and changed. You wanted to understand in a new way who God is. You couldn't answer that question, or if you answered it honestly, it would be a long time. When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you told somebody what it meant to have a real relationship with Jesus? When's the last time you actually did battle with temptation, men? And women, but men specifically. Or if you just stop battling and you just come to church on Sunday morning and you put the mask on because you believe you wear the mask pretty well and nobody really knows what's behind the mask. What I want you to do is to have the courage to drop the mask and say, here's where I am with God. Be honest. And I want to let you know this, that God is, is, is capable of handling your truth. <laughs> here's the truth. He already knows. He knows exactly where you are and where I am, regardless of the masks that we're sporting this morning. Some of us here, however, we're living in unrepentant sin. There may be some even here in this room right now and you're having an affair and you've convinced yourself that it's okay because you're just friends with that other man or that other woman. You're just friends. You've done nothing physical and so it's okay and you're rationalizing that and you're going home every night and you got a mask on, yet God knows Maybe you're involved in some kind of addictive behavior. Maybe it's lust or pride. Maybe you're a financial train wreck. If the truth were known, you are, as I said earlier, simply one paycheck away from financial disaster. And you're just hoping, you're just hoping that that paycheck continues, that somehow your ship comes in, somehow you win the lottery, somehow something good happens to you so that you can keep the mask on and you can keep everybody thinking that everything is okay financially when in reality, you are in a train wreck. All of those things going on in your life, and yet you enjoy no intimacy with God because of those things, and you continue to wear the mask. Let me give you one more before we close. Some of us have grown up going to church and hearing Bible stories, and you're asking tough questions, and you're having some doubts. 
Churches aren't necessarily always safe places to explore those doubts. Have you realized that to be true? I'm thankful for my 20 years in youth ministry, and I'll never forget, actually, one of the last few years of youth ministry, I was taught a valuable lesson by one of our college students, a guy that I had known for a long time. I'd spent time going through the Word with him when he was in high school, and he went over to UNC, and after his freshman year, I remember having lunch with him and asking him about his freshman year, and finally, through the course of several questions, he said to me, this year, I really questioned my faith. I had a New Testament class in which the stated objectives of the New Testament professor was to shake the faith of young Christians. And he said, and that's exactly what's happened to me. He said, there were times this past semester when I wondered, is there really a God? Does he really love me? Did he really have a son named Jesus who who came to this earth and then suffered and bled and died on a cross for me? And is it really possible to have a relationship with him? And is this whole rapture thing made up? He said, I began to have those questions. And I said to him, How come you didn't call me? I could have come over. We could have had lunch together. We could have talked. And he said, I didn't want to disappoint you. I was ashamed. So what did he do? He put the mask on. And I determined that day, sitting at the Carolina Ale House over in Cary, that I would never again do ministry in that way, that I would try to create an environment in which it was okay to ask tough questions. Because quite frankly, if you can't ask those tough questions and there are no answers for that, then quite frankly, I don't believe it either. This needs to be a safe place. Maybe you're one of those people right now and you've got the tough questions. You've got some serious doubts about your faith, but you've decided to put on the mask rather than ask those questions. I want to ask you this morning to do this. If you find yourself in any one of those positions, I want to ask you to drop the mask and deal with the truth. The truth is the beginning of change. It is not possible for you to change what you do not acknowledge. Be honest with God. He can handle it. Here's the good news. Look down at verse 21 of chapter 3. Let me show you what God did for Adam and Eve, who were naked and vulnerable and afraid. Verse 21 says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. I love that. For so many years, I've read this and kind of skipped over it. And, and yet, this last week, it really just hit me in a fresh new way. That's one of the things I love most about having a relationship with the God of the universe because while he's holy and perfect and sinless and has every right when he knows who I really am to look at me and go, you disgust me, get away from me. He does just the opposite of what we expect he would do in that situation. And what does he do? He covers them. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Some of you have been beat up for so long. You've been beat up with people that tell you you're no good because of the choices you've made, because of the decisions you've made, because of the thoughts you've had, the addictions that you struggle with, the financial mess that you're in. And everybody has rejected you except the one that matters most. And that's God. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. He, he, he literally took the skin of an animal And he clothed them. This would be a picture of what he would do in the New Testament, right? In the New Testament, what would he do? He would send his only son, Jesus, to live amongst us and then to suffer and bleed and die on a cross to shed his innocent blood in order that what? In order that our sin debt might be covered, paid in full. What an awesome, awesome thing. We can be made clean through Jesus. And here's the truth. The only way that everything we can be everything that God wants us to be is to drop the mask and be clothed by Christ and Christ alone. 
You can hide behind your mask, your religious mask, your doubting mask, your financial mask, your unrepentant sin mask. You can hide behind all those things and yet none of them will ever be sufficient to meet your greatest need and that is your need of a Savior, my need of a Savior, my need to have that sin debt paid in full. I love verses, the verses in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Let me read these to you. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. I love verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were wearing a mask, Christ died for us. While we were still screwed up, messed up, walking around, trying to make him think we were something that we weren't, even though he knew exactly who we were, he knew exactly what was behind that mask, he loved us enough that he died for us. That, my friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's why you and I don't have to wear masks. We can be made clean. And I want to challenge you today. There are a lot of people that will love you once you get your act cleaned up and once you do things according to the ways they think you ought to do them. Here's the awesome thing about Jesus. God sees behind our mask. He knows the real us. And yet he loves us. That's what's really awesome. I've gotten to the point in my life, I told somebody between services that I refuse to live my life, at least on a consistent basis, wearing one of these. I will not live that way. If that means one day that I have no credibility because people figure out that I'm a sinner, then I'll go and I'll do something else. I'll be a salesman. I'll, I'll work for one of you. I'll do something else. But I refuse to wear a mask. I refuse to be part of a church in which wearing masks is acceptable. In fact, wearing masks is accepted. And I want you to live that same way. I want you to live, we're going to start a series in the book of Galatians in just a few weeks. I'm so excited about that. I want you to live in grace. I want you to live in the knowledge of the one who is holy, who is perfect, who is sinless, who we alone have accountability to, a sinless, perfect, holy God. He has sent his son Jesus to suffer, bleed, and die, to shed blood in order that our sin debt might be covered so that there is no shame. We no longer need to wear masks if you trust in Christ and Christ alone as your Savior. Let's pray. As you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I want to ask you just at the forefront of this series today, and we're going we're gonna to figure it out real quickly on whether or not even this whole series called Masquerade is really just about wearing masks. We're going we're gonna to figure this out. If, if you're here this morning and you say, you know, Brian, I, I am wearing that religious mask. I put it on when I got out of the car this morning. I know that my faith is dry and dusty at best. But I continue to put on the mask every Sunday. I wear it at other appropriate occasions. And yet I know, I know I need to drop the mask. I need to, I need to be working out. Jesus inside of me. I want this thing to be real. I don't want to wear a mask. I'm tired of faking it. I want the real deal. I've seen people who aren't wearing the mask and have the real deal, and I want to be one of those people. Just pray for me that the Spirit of God would do a work in my heart, in my life, that I'll drop that mask, and I'll, for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, I'll be real before God and before other people because I don't want to wear the religious mask any longer. If that's you, 
will you be real enough and honest enough that you can drop the mask for just a moment and raise your hand up and say, hey, pray for me this morning as you close. Would you do that? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. That's great. Thank you. Awesome. Great. Thanks for being real. Thanks for being honest. Anybody else here this morning and you'd say, boy, I've got the unrepentant sin mask on. I'm trying to make everybody think I'm a good boy, I'm a good girl, and I got it all together, but I am just one truth away from people figuring out the real me. And I know what the unconfessed sin in my life is. I'm convicted of it. I just haven't come to the place where I'm broken enough before God to drop the mask. Please pray for me. I know what that sin is. I know I need to drop it. I know I need to confess it. Come right before God and before other people. Pray that God will give me the strength to drop that mask. Is there anybody you're bold enough to raise your hand now and say, that's me? Anybody? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for the honesty. That's where it begins. As we said earlier, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. Anybody that's bold enough to to take this last step and say, hey, here, here's where I am. I've, I've gone to church since I was a little kid. I, I grew up listening to these stories and hearing these truths and hearing about Jesus and that Jesus died. Uh, but there's some things I'm struggling with. I'm just struggling with some doubts, but I want to be confident in my faith. I want to know that this is true and authentic and that God is real and the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in my life. But I'm struggling right now. Would you pray that I drop this mask of doubt and I'd be willing to ask the tough questions. Anybody like that this morning? You bold enough to raise your hand? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for your honesty. God, I thank you for what was just demonstrated here today. I thank you that people, maybe some for the first time that have never even thought about raising a hand and acknowledging something before somebody that they could see God, thanks for the honesty. We're, we're breaking some of the ice. I pray we'll do more of that in the next few weeks. God, I do pray for those that are wearing that religious mask. God, may, be, may today be the day where they drop that mask. For those that have unrepentant sin, and God, they know, they know the damage that's being done in their life and potentially and even in the lives of others. I pray that they drop the mask, that they'd come clean. God, that person who is struggling with doubt, not fully comprehending or understanding or grasped or fully convinced of who you are and what you've done. God, I pray that you cause them to drop the mask, ask the tough questions, let us help them. Let us walk with them on that journey. And God, I thank you for what I at times have experienced in my life when I've been willing to boldly just let the mask down. I thank you for the peace, the comfort, for the strength that comes with that. God, I thank you that when we're ashamed and when we're disappointed and, and, and when, we've, when we've just done things that are despicable in our eyes and in the eyes of other people, God, I'm thankful that you don't yell and scream at us and expose us, but that even as you did with Adam and Eve in verse 21, that you cover us. Thanks for Jesus. Thanks for the sacrifice that was made for our sin in order that we might be reconciled in the relationship that we were created to have. We pray these things in Jesus' name.